0: This is Come and See by Father Ron Baird for January 2nd, 2011. The Gospel is taken from the book of Matthew, chapter 2, verses 13 through 15 and 19 through 23. The message is by Mother Nancy Stanton. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, Amen. Please be seated. Happy New Year. I trust you all had a good New Year's Eve. We had a a nice party here. There weren't as many people as I would like to have seen, but it was fun. And um, had lots of good food. And I hope next year you'll put it on your calendar to come. It's kind of neat to watch the ball drop and then to be able to have Eucharist right afterwards. It just kind of sets the, the New Year off in the right way. As you can hear, I'm raspy again this morning. It got cold outside. And the minute it gets cold outside, my lungs say, okay, I'd rather not work, thank you very much. And um, so they're, they're fighting with me today, but we'll make it. When we look at the scripture reading, we kind of expect that this time of year there would be a lot of rejoicing. And yet, in the gospel that we have this morning, you don't hear a lot of rejoicing, do you? It's uh, just kind of there. Rather, we see that King Herod and all of Jerusalem were, they were disturbed. Um, They were upset that there were travelers coming out of the desert. Um, They called them Magi from the east. And they asked, where is this one that has been born king of the Jews? The question is, who were the Magi? Um, Under the influence of such passages as Psalm 72 and Isaiah 49 and Isaiah 60, um, later Christian tradition, picture the Magi as kings. And there we come with the song, We Three Kings of Orient Are. Um, There's no biblical evidence to to support that they were kings. Most likely, they were astronomers that came out of Babylon, who, because of the influence of Daniel, heard the promise of Jesus, as well as um, it generally being thought, we think that there are three magi, and we believe that because of the three gifts that they brought, the gold and frankincense and myrrh. And yet, there's nothing in the Bible anywhere to prove that there were only three of them. There could have been a half a dozen or a dozen of them. We don't know. But popular opinion um, says that there's three. Also, they don't know when they showed up. Um, You can read the Bible, and you can get from that that they showed up shortly after he was born. Uh, There are some theologians that believe that he was two, when they showed up, and it does say that they were living in a house, that he, they went to see the house where he was, and he certainly wasn't born in a house. So he could have certainly been somewhat older. So we don't really know a lot about who these magi are. But I believe that the, the story, the study of them, is put into the scripture for our own instruction. The Gospel writer of Matthew includes this story to teach us about Jesus whose birth we celebrate on Christmas, and he tells us what our reaction should be to the birth of the Christ child. He tells us, as the bumper sticker that you see frequently um, puts it, that um, the wise men still seek him in order to worship him. Now who is this baby in the manger? As Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? Who is he that has come and someday will come again? And Matthew tells us this morning that the baby in the manger is the king of the Jews, the promised Messiah, the Christ. And when we look over the gospel of Matthew, we can't help but note that This is not the only time that Jesus is described as the king of the Jews. Pilate asked him, remember, who are you? Are you the king of the Jews? The soldiers, when he was being crucified, remember, put a scarlet robe on him. And uh, they said, you know, they put a crown of thorns on his head and a staff in his right hand. And then they knelt in front of him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And remember what was written above the cross, and it was written in three languages. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. Matthew is a Jew, and Matthew is writing to his fellow Jews. And in today's scripture passage, Matthew wants to make it clear To his largely jewish audience that the baby jesus is the king of the jews the christ the messiah and he advances two proofs for this first the star and second the place of birth well now in today's world if we were told that we were to follow a star there probably wouldn't be too many of us that would go out and jump in the car and start following the star down the road it just isn't part of what we think of although in matthew's time and in the time that jesus was born that was something that would have been very common the um, astrologers were very much listened to and the star would have been no accident and would have been a sign from god and then it's further confirmed by the Magi uh, with its reappearance on their way to Bethlehem after they've stopped off to see Herod. The star pops up again and um, shows them how to get to Bethlehem. And more than that, it served as a guide uh, and it stopped over the place where Jesus was. Now, in a universe that is controlled by God, it's clear that the star's appearance was not accidental. So they didn't have any problem believing in this at all. The second proof Matthew tells about is the place where the baby is born. And it says that he's going to be born in the village of Bethlehem. And of course, we are in Bethlehem. And when King Herod hears about that from the Magi, he calls together his chief priests and his teachers of the law. And he asked them, where is the Christ to be born? And, of course, they confirmed that it's in Bethlehem of Judea. And this supports um, the quote from uh, Micah, um, where Micah says, but you, Bethlehem Ephrata, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come from me the one who is to rule over Israel, whose origins are from old and from ancient times. And Matthew's message to his readers is so very clear that the baby in the manger is the king of the Jews, the Christ, he is the Messiah. And the proof of this is the star and his birth at Bethlehem. As I said already, King Herod and all of Jerusalem were highly disturbed by the Magi's claim that the king of the Jews had been born. Herod was disturbed by this claim because in 40 BC, the Roman Senate had conferred on him the title king of the Jews. And so now the suggestion is that a new king of the Jews has been born to challenge him to challenge who he is to challenge his title and herod didn't take challenges lightly if you remember some of the things about herod he managed to kill several of his children and his wives and he was not really a very nice person herod felt very insecure as the king because his claims to the jewish throne was it was really very shaky it was shaky because he was not even a full Jew. He was only partly Jew. Um, in his insecurity, he killed all potential rivals. He killed a brother of his wife, the husband of his sister. He killed a trusted friend. He killed one of his ten wives. He was busy with wives. He killed his mother-in-law, another husband of his sister, and three of his sons. I mean, like i said this is not a really nice guy and herod got and held his throne through fear and through killing off the people that he thought were a problem for him the chief priests and the teachers of the law quoting from second samuel say that he will not he will shepherd he will be the shepherd of my people israel And the Messiah's rule, unlike Herod's, will not be marked with violence and bloodshed and tyranny. And according to Isaiah, the Messiah tends his flocks like a shepherd. He gathers the lambs in his arms and he carries them close to his heart. And he gently leads those that have young. Now the prophet Jeremiah says that the Messiah will reign wisely. And he will do what is just and right in the land. And it's true that many of the Jews of Matthew's day did not have the shepherd conception of the Messiah. Many of them thought of the Messiah as the kind of Jewish Caesar. It's what they had been used to. Um, They were used to being conquered. They were in that pathway that um, if anybody wanted to get to the east, they had to conquer israel so that they could get through it and so they were used to being conquered they were used to being conquered by the sword and so they expected that the messiah would be someone who would come and save them and he too would have the sword that would save them not too much different than king herod the big surprise of the gospel is that the messiah the christ the king of the jews lived as a slave And then he died as a criminal. The big surprise, as you know, is that Jesus had to hang on the cross before he could sit on the throne. He was the slave of all before he came to be the Lord of all. If the baby in the manger really is the promised Messiah, the Christ, the King of the Jews, then the New Testament should describe how the governors of the world bow down before him and how all people lay their treasures at his feet. At least that's the picture of the Messiah's birth from the Old Testament scriptures. Um, I remember when Prince William and Princess was born to Princess to Prince Charles and Princess Diana. There were stories and pictures in almost every newspaper and there was a lot of excitement you do some of you remember all the excitement that was around that in england and and also in the united states an heir to the british throne had been born and so this created a lot of excitement now we can imagine the magi hurrying along on their camels eager to participate in the celebration and the excitement in Jerusalem in Israel thinking the king of the Jews has been born it's gonna be Mardi Gras and they arrived in Jerusalem they must have been really shocked because they found everything was business as usual there was no dancing in the streets no ticker tape parades no national holiday people didn't even know about the birth of the king and when the magi announced that the king of the Jews was born The people together with Herod were disturbed. Herod was disturbed because there was a rival to his throne. Herod met secretly with the Magi and asked them to come back and tell him where the baby was because he wanted to go and worship him, but he secretly wanted to go and kill him. And he was already planning the job that he did of killing all the baby boys of that area. The ordinary people were, they were frightened because they knew what Herod was like and they knew when he felt threatened by rivals to the throne that he began to murder and kill and pillage. And the priests and the leaders were afraid because the Messiah's birth threatened their political alliance and public position. Again, everyone was disturbed rather than rejoicing And it's interesting to note that the Magi did something that they would not be politically correct. In searching for Jesus, they went to the local government authorities to Herod and to the chief priests, assuming that they would know about Jesus and would share their joy. And, of course, this was not the case. Herod just wanted to kill Jesus, and the religious leaders felt threatened. Some things never change. As you know, the Christians, um, Christmas today is increasingly under attack. And I got an email this morning that came in asking for prayers for Egypt and for Nigeria. And there were attacks in both of those countries on Christians. And I don't recall exactly how many, but there were around 80 people that were killed in both of the attacks because they were Christians. Um, So being a Christian in some places, and it's becoming more so in the United States, is not necessarily politically correct. Um, School administrators today do a lot of sanitizing of Christmas plays. They do a lot of removing of the name of Jesus. Public displays of nativity scenes are under attack, like they've never been before, either taken to court or defaced. This past week, I learned that some companies and authorities have banned their um, people from greeting each other with Merry Christmas because it uses the title of Christ. And, of course, that's going on in the stores. I, I noticed this year that if I said Merry Christmas, the people at the stores would very happily say Merry Christmas back and smile, like, oh, I'm so glad I can say this to you, rather than Happy Holidays. But it's just like the first Christmas. The governing authorities largely oppose the celebration of Jesus' birth. The Magi's, in spite of Jerusalem's response to their news, continued their search for the Messiah. And they went their way to Bethlehem. And why did they do this? Well, the Magi's were not first century autograph seekers who wanted the thrill of being one of the first to greet the Jews. They were not glory hounds or publicity seekers. Already in Jerusalem, they had announced their intention to worship him. So on coming on to the house where Jesus was when they saw the child with his mother, they bowed down and worshipped him. And that was the reason that they wanted to be there. Now imagine this. These are Gentiles. They're proud and they're independent and they're bowing before Jesus, acknowledging him as rulers of their life and accepting him as the Lord of their lives and their masters Matthew's gospel as I said was written for Jews by a Jew and in this story of Jesus and the Magi Matthew is giving a very strong message to his fellow Jews namely that the Gentiles recognized Jesus as the Messiah and the Jews didn't Gentiles worshiped Jesus and gave him gifts And the Jews, his own people, were disturbed by the news of his birth. The Jews have the scripture, and they can read about the promised Messiah in its pages. They even properly understand the scripture and what it says about his birth. Theirs is a history of God's gracious covenant dealings with him. And yet they refuse to believe. The Magi, on the other hand, only had the star. And they have to go to Jesus, or to the Jews, for more information about Jesus before they can find him. And yet they're the ones who worship Jesus. That's kind of the way it often is, isn't it? That those with the treasure of salvation Become indifferent to what is theirs. We see this in churches. People who have gone to church for many, many, many years, and they know the story about Jesus and about his coming into the world and why he came into the world, and they kind of look at it like, "Okay, yeah, this is a nice story," and um, we go just because it's it's a thing to do on Christmas Eve is to go to church. So many times, new Christians are so far more excited and enthusiastic about the faith that the rest of us have grown up in. Ours is a history of God's covenant dealings with us. And like the Jews, we are often blind to the treasures of salvation. We have to be very careful. We have to be very, very careful that the gospel treasure never loses its brilliance and its luster and its excitement in our eyes. There's always this twofold reaction to Jesus. Some believe in worship, some reject or neglect the message and the curse, the name of the Lord. And this happened at Jesus' birth, and this happened at his death, and this happened at his resurrection. And it still happens today. Some believe and others do not. The story of the Magi is the call to us to come and worship. Worship Christ, the newborn king. The story of the Magi is the call for us to say, "Oh, come, let us adore him, Christ the Lord. The story of the Magi is the call to us to bow down and worship and adore Jesus to give him the best of our love and the best of our service because he is the Messiah. He is the Christ. He is the King of the Jews. And it's hard for us today to imagine the godlike power of an ancient king. You see, there are few kings and queens today, and most of them exist only in today's world as mere figureheads without any real power or authority. But those who lived under the shadow of the ancient thrones knew better than that. Before the kings, all mortals bowed down before them, or they were killed. They perished. At the beginning of this gospel lies the news that Jesus is king. Jesus is the Messiah. And Jesus is the Christ. And it is with Christ, as it is with ancient kings, that either we bow down and worship him, or we perish. And that's something that we really need to remember and to think about. It's such a joy to bow down and worship Jesus. It's such a joy to live with him, and to live in his way. And our lives go so differently if we live in his way, and his will. I urge you each to learn from the Magi. Don't be like Israel. Instead, come and worship. Come and worship the newborn king. We talked on New Year's Eve that Every New Year's Eve, people start making all of these wonderful New Year's resolutions that it's estimated they keep exactly 33 days. Men keep them 35, women 33. I guess men have two days more tenacity than women do. And one of the things that I asked at our New Year service this year, and I'm going to ask you to do the same, rather than making... A gazillion New Year's resolutions that we're not going to keep I ask you to sit and talk with Jesus and talk about what is one thing that he would like for you to do for him to give him as a birthday present this year what is one thing that would please him more than any other and then wait and listen and listen carefully And don't do anything until you have the answer. And once you have the answer, then follow that one thing that Jesus would like you to do for Him this year. Come and worship. Come and worship. Come and worship. Amen. You have been listening to Come and See by Father Ron Baird. Come and See is a production of St. Andrew's Church in Lewis Center, Ohio. St. Andrew's is also available online at www.standrewspolaris.org. Please join us again when we invite you to Come and See.